Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm Inman, and I'm your host for today. Today I'm being joined by my friend Blix, who is a river guide, and we're going to talk about something that I've been really entranced by, but know nothing about, and am a little terrified by, and that is traveling on rivers with boats, and why it might be a good or bad idea during different emergent disasters. But first... We are a proud member of the Channel Zero network of anarchist podcasts, and here is a jingle from another show on that network. Do 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 do. You're listening to Dissident Island Radio. Live every first and third Friday of the month at 9 p.m. GMT. Check out www.dissidentisland.org for downloads and more. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, could you introduce yourself with your name, pronouns, and um, what what you do in the world? And, you know, not an, an existential sort of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is your connection to Packrat? <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Blix. I use uh, she, they pronouns. I am a river guide in Dinosaur National Monument on the Green River. Yeah, I like to do more things than just river stuff. I'm really into cycling and uh, gaming and anything that gets me outside. But river stuff recently has been my main like hobby and passion at the moment. Um, yeah. What was the last one? What is my what? <laughs> Um, what, what do you, what, what is your existential, uh, um, purpose uh, in this world? Um, <laughs> uh, I like to survive. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the last one was my, my connection to pack rafting. Yes. So initially I got into river I mean, I've been doing river stuff since I was a kid. I grew up in Northeast Iowa, which is not known for anything river related. Or, I mean, there are rivers there, but not in the sense that, not the big water and rapid stuff that you typically hear about with um, river travel or river um, hobbies. But I grew up kayaking and canoeing. And then I got a pack raft. (sighs) like four years ago and I've done a couple pack rafting trips since then overnighters and yeah I think that was kind of the the gateway uh craft that led me to be like wanting to be a guide yeah yeah I could it's funny I can tell if you were being sarcastic about Idaho and rivers are no Iowa 
Iowa. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, Idaho is very well known for rivers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Iowa <laughs> is. <laughs> no, Iowa is not. Yeah, you no. don't think, yes. whoa, the rivers in Iowa are amazing. But Idaho definitely. Yeah. There is. Maybe, maybe it's not Iowa that I'm thinking of. Is Iowa is like bordered on each side by rivers. Is that true? There's the Mississippi on the east, and then on the west, I think there is a river, but I can't remember. Maybe the Sioux River? Yeah, or something. There's the, because there's the, I only know this because of going on bike tour and encountering this, like, yeah. bro who um, let us uh, sleep at his house. He just saw us on bike trips and was like, great. Like, come over, uh-huh. fellow bike tourists. Yes. Um, and we're like, you know, we need showers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told us about this thing called like rag bra. Rag bra. Rag bra. <laughs> <laughs> like I like rag bra better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rag bra is riding from the west side of Iowa to the east. And it cha- the route changes every year. Yeah. But I've actually never done it. So it, it did not really sound fun. No, I I think it's. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. As someone who does not drink, it sounds like my worst nightmare so yeah Mm -hmm. but anyways what (laughs) so what is pack rafting yeah uh pack rafting so it's a very specific type of craft where um you can deflate it and it's pretty much like like the way that i've used it i've strapped it to the front of my bike you can shove it in backpacks it um can be made very small. And then when you inflate it, some models of pack rafts, you can take your gear and shove them inside the tubes of the craft. So you don't have like a pile of gear on your boat. Like inside the inflated Yes. Part of yep. Yep. Whoa. Yep. So I've had friends who've done the Grand Canyon in pack rafts, which is nuts and also very impressive to me. Um, but yeah, you can put stuff in the tubes. When you want to get it out, you have to deflate it, obviously, but you put it all in there, inflate it. You can take it down river. I know people who've carried a ton of gear, like 50 pounds. I know people who've gone hunting with them. You can obviously, I'm sure you've seen, you can strap your bikes to the front of them as well. Whoa, this was actually my first question. You said <laughs> you could strap it to your bike. Yeah. Is, can you also somehow take your bike mm-hmm. down the road? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I have a lot of opinions about taking bikes. I think it depends on the river and also your bike. The thing with attaching a bike to like a water vessel and then floating down a river is it's really exposed to all the elements and like bikes and water don't like, you don't want to submerge your bike in water. There's a lot of issues that can arise from that. So it's really hard on your bike. And also it makes the pack raft um, hard to maneuver, obviously, because you have this big heavy weight in the front. But yet yeah, you can take the front wheel off your bike, put it on top of the frame, and then you can use straps. And they have um, strap loops and like, um, i trying to think the word of it. They have places where you can take uh, straps and like loop your bike around so it is fully attached to your pack raft. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. My, my first impression from hearing about pack rafting is one that it is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess like some questions within that are like, it seems like it seems highly like 
versatile or like mobile. Mm-hmm. Like you can, which the like the the thing about boats that I've always thought is boats are really cool and they're really big. And <laughs> you're kind of tied to your boat, right? And you're stuck on that that body of water. Where yes, the boat is. But with this, it seems like you can pretty easily like be on the river and then decide to like leave the river. Yes, and take the boat with you. Yes. Yep. And I think that's why they're so popular. I think they're also more affordable, but it's like a multimodal way to navigate places. And yeah, they, they've exploded in popularity. And it's kind of funny because pack rafts themselves, like there's always been smaller crafts like kayaks and inflatable kayaks. But the pack raft is kind of this new concept that's come about where you can pack your gear in the tubes. It packs up super small, whereas like kayaks are this big, hard thing of plastic that you have to lug around you know same with canoes or even inflatable kayaks like those don't deflate to a point where you'd want to carry them in anything like they're so heavy so pack graphs are kind of this ultra light thing that's come onto the river scene and a lot of like parks and monuments at least the monument i work in they're not sure what to do with them like they're very particular about Like if you go pack rafting down the river, you have to have a bigger support boat. Like you can't just take your pack raft down the river because it's like a single chamber. So it's just like one, when you inflate it, the whole thing inflates where like normal rafts, like I have another bigger raft. It has four different, or my, excuse me, mine has two chambers, giant rafts, like 18 foot rafts have four chambers and then the floor that inflates. So the thing with pack rafts is if you like pop it or tear it, it's going to be a bad day. And that's, I guess, my only issue with them. But everything else is great, like how light they are, um, the trips I've done with pack rafts and bikes and anything else. It's really nice to not be lugging around a gigantic raft and all this gear. Um, And it keeps you from overpacking. Yeah, I guess like, like how small is small and like how light is light. Like, could this fit in, like, your hiking backpack? Yes. Yep. It could fit in a backpack. Um, Like, my handlebars on my bike, it fits in between the grips. Like, that's how small. Like, I think it packs down to, like, 8 to 10 pounds. Like, it's it's still a heavy piece of gear, but nothing like a huge 2,000-pound raft, you know? Like, to me, I'm like, wow, this is very light and small. Um, And then as far as, like, when you're sitting in it, they'd make different lengths but when I'm sitting in my pack raft my feet go all the way to the front of it and I can't think of how like they would probably be like four feet three feet I don't know I guess I've never measured mine I just know that I fit in it (laughs) I'm not really a dimensions person I just know that like it's light and it's small so like really specific stuff um I guess I do know how long my big raft is but yeah like pack rafts it's just you in the like there's no room really to put other gear you can shove stuff up by your feet and behind you but the the main idea is you're putting all of it in the tubes yeah okay yeah i guess the like hearing that their downfall i guess or like like um thing that makes them maybe not a great idea that they can get punctured Mm -hmm. is that something that's likely to happen it can they get punctured easily like how, how durable are they? I guess like the story that comes up is I went on the Salt River this past spring and 
that's a river in Northeast Arizona. There's like a, it's not the tubing section that everyone thinks about. It's like the upper. <laughs> Whenever I tell people that, they're like, what? You went whitewater? And I'm like, no. Um, there's an upper section that, <laughs> yeah, we got really rowdy. Um, no, uh, there's an upper section that's like a solid class four river, which I suppose I should explain classes maybe after. Uh, if you're curious, but yeah. Okay. Um, but basically the story is we were portaging around this big rapid cause I didn't feel comfortable running it. It was the end of the day. And portaging is just finding a route that we're able to walk and carry yeah. all our gear, Yeah, which wasn't easy cause we were in a very steep, narrow Canyon, but yeah, someone dropped their pack raft on a cactus, which, you know, like you'd think they, they pop bike tubes, but their pack raft had, multiple holes that needed to be patched. Whereas my, I think the rafts are made of different material, like my raft compared to a pack raft, because a pack raft is so light, I don't think they can use as heavy duty material. I know people, and from my own experience, like one of our pack rafts has like gotten rubbed from paddling, like the paddle rubbed the side and the side could get rubbed raw and then start to leak air. And I do know a lot of folks with pack rafts that have a lot of patches, but I also know like, this is where it comes into play that you like need to be good at not just knowing how to paddle a raft, but how to like read a river and know how to navigate water and know what hazards are because especially in a pack raft, it's such like, you don't want to tear it. Like Mm -hmm. even in my raft, I don't want to have a tear, but if you puncture your pack raft in a significant way, it's going to sink or like, (laughs) Just be in a really bad spot and you're going to be, because it is a single chamber and all your gear is in it. Like that's a huge risk. So you might just lose it. You might lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, I think you would have to mess up significantly for that to happen. But just knowing certain hazards that I've encountered on rivers and things I've heard from other people, like the material my boat's made of is this hypalon really thick. Like I've rammed it into rocks and like, it's been fine. But I also know if you hit things a certain way, it'll like, like almost like a knife has cut through your boat. And I just think, yeah, it would just be really, I would be really nervous in a pack raft because of the single chamber aspect where Mm -hmm. it's, if it pops, the whole thing is deflating. Whereas if my boat, if one of my tubes pops, I still have another tube that will stay inflated and I could maybe keep getting down the river and not lose all my gear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess like inflatable kayaks are those like more, usually more durable or like have more chambers. They have more chambers. They have each side is a chamber and then the floor is a chamber. The pack raft floor is also, wow. Sorry. I, I usually take my big boat out, so I'm trying. I haven't taken my pack raft out in a minute, but yeah, it's just a big single chamber. But I know that they're making very sturdy pack rafts, like that can go down like class five, okay, like really intense white water that are super durable and capable boats. And I think they, it's the technology is getting better because it's becoming so popular. But okay, mm -hmm. that makes yeah. I imagine within most things, there's like the the really like dinky one. That was, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Maybe nothing more than casual. <laughs> yeah, casual yep. No. Water. And it definitely depends. Like even 
different companies within the pack rafting world, I think use different material and you can tell just by quality what's going to be more durable than others. But inflatable kayaks, they are I th- like you can, we call them duckies. I'm not actually sure why we call them duckies. <laughs> I've never actually thought about that. Um, inflatable kayak duckies, but they're very, you can't pack anything in them. Mm-hmm. So it would just all be like shoved at the front, in this massive pile. So I think, and also duckies, I don't, they just don't navigate the water as well. Because they're so long. Yeah. They just are very awkward to sit on. Yeah. So. What is involved in, like, planning a river trip? Whether that's, I guess, specifically in a pack raft, mm-hmm. but, like, in any kind of, like, river transit with camping yep. situation. Yeah. I think it's very similar to backpacking and bikepacking and, like, the gear you would take. You can't bring anything super bulky. You have to think about what you can fit in your tubes. A big thing that I look at when I'm planning a river trip are rapids, if there are any, what classes they are. I look at predicted flows of the river and what at what point is it flood stage and at what point is it too low for me to run it. And this is, I think, more specific for like rivers out in the West that are very susceptible to flooding and flash flooding and drying up. (laughs) And then, I mean, I'm looking at the weather too. Like, do I need to bring rain jackets or like, uh, like food? I don't know. It's just really similar to backpacking is the only way I can think about it where I'm bringing sleeping bags, normal things that I would bring on a trip like that. I think the only difference is water. Like mm-hmm. you're on it, so you can ju- just bring like some type of treatment yeah. to yeah. treat it, and then figuring out where to camp along the river can be complex and complicated as well. If there's like private land, or I think again, river dependent. Like if you're in a canyon, there's only certain spots you can stop, so you have to be aware of like I have to go this many miles today. I have to because <laughs> there are no other places to stop. I'm also paying attention to water temperature and how that'll dictate if I'm wearing like normal, just active clothes or if I'm wearing a dry suit or a wetsuit. Yeah. And then if it's a multimodal trip, which if I'm bringing my bike or if it's just solely a river trip to be a river trip, I think also, I mean, you have to bring poop tubes like you're not really allowed to poop poop tubes tubes, like a pv you can do your do it yourself but it's like you can make one out of pvc pipe have one end closed so you can pack out your poop okay yeah sorry that was really intense you have to poop through a tube (laughs) no that's not what's going on but like with bigger rafts and bigger trips we bring something called a groover which is like this big, basically toilet. So you're packing all that out because if you're all going to the bathroom on like the same beaches and campgrounds and there's not many of them, it turns yeah. into a litter box and it's really gross. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've heard of this on like, and maybe it seems like more curious in your perspective. Um, so like I've heard of this on like, especially popular like hiking like trails mm-hmm. and like, especially like multi multi-day like hiking trails and stuff Mm -hmm. that there are spaces where it's like they've literally just become like 
large toilets and there's like so much like human shit around yeah very it's like it's like a big problem ecologically yeah no I think I've read a study where I feel like a lot of national forest and park is like the ground is just they test soil and it's all always includes human feces which is deeply disturbing to me. But (laughs) um, I honestly think, and maybe this is a hot take, I think river folks and like people who are on the river are really good at packing out feces. Yeah. And like with only because like, especially in canyons and maybe this is different out East, but again, like there are only these small little spaces that, can be used for camping. So again, if if somebody shits everywhere for some reason, like people are going to know. And also the National Monument, at least where I work, keeps track of who's camping because they assign campsites to people where they can go. So they would probably know the party that like pooped everywhere. And also they won't let you on the river unless you have a groover or a way to pack out your feces. Like they won't let you. They check your gear list. So... It's a highly like regulated and permitted activity for now <laughs> that could change. <laughs> but even then, like I, yeah, you just have to pack out your poop. And then we all like pee in the river. That's just what you do. But yeah, I, I think typically river folks are better than hiking. And yeah, there's, all, there's emergencies, but we're always carrying wag bags too. Wag it's basically like a dog bag for your own oh, okay. poop, right? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. Wow. The, the river community is certainly, um, I feel like better than a lot of other like, like whatever sub- niche subgroups at naming things. Oh, yeah, I think it. <laughs> Even like rapids, where I'm like, really, this is this is what this rapid is called, <laughs> like. Like well, well, like, I think a lot of them are just intense names, but like one of them's called Schoolboy or like Fluffy Bunny Rapid or whatever the hell. And it's like, this is, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We have, I feel like nicknames for a lot of stuff, but I, don't know, I guess it separates us from, from the other people, but. I think guides and river folk also get a bad rep for being like adrenaline junkie, like really intense, obnoxious people. So I won't say that it's a perfect community by any means because it's not, but yeah. it's definitely creative. <laughs> what are some of the dangers of like, I guess, like river travel in general? But I guess, you know, specifically we're talking about like pack rafting or camping as you, camping as you, as you raft. Oh man. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm trying to think of like what I talk about in my safety talk <laughs> of things we need to be aware of as uh, people on rivers. Um, I think in like general with any outdoor activity, there's the risks of like cuts and bruises and broken bones and infections and just things that can happen day to day, even if you're not on a river. So like camp dangers, which I think a big thing with rivers that I see are like injured feet with people taking their shoes off on like beaches and then running around and like running in the water, running into the water and getting like a stick up their foot. Yeah. Or like cutting their foot on a rock. Um, But river specific dangers, my own standard is I never want to be in the water. (laughs) 
like out of my boat in the water. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) I don't enjoy swimming white water. It's like a personal project I've tried to work on this past summer by forcing myself to swim in rapids. But like hazards that I think of for pack rafting is the same with any other, like even if I was in a big raft, I'd be thinking about the same thing. But keeper holes, which is a funny, so think about like a a huge boulder, a rock in a river, and there's water pouring over it. (laughs) There's certain, we call them holes because it creates this like giant space behind the rock where the water is kind of, it can recirculate. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And if you fall in or not fall, but like float or get or or getting um, carried downstream into one of these, there is a risk that you will be, you will not be able to swim out of it. So you are just getting recirculated underwater. I see. Yeah. Eternally. Eternally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and I know you said you were, you have fears about rivers. I don't, I don't want to like freak you out, but. Um, no, please. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I've been utter, <laughs> I've been utter fascination with water and water travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, a, you know, a horrifying fear of water, um, which is weird because I'm a triple water sign, but. I think it's really terrifying. Yeah, I think it's okay to be afraid of rivers because when things go wrong, they go wrong very quickly. Okay. And you also are on a timeline if someone is in the water. Yeah. If that makes sense. But um, another thing that I think about for hazards is something called a strainer. So that's when really good. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's terrifying. Yeah. So it's like when a tree or log falls into the river. And the way I describe it in my safety talk is when you use noodle strainers at home and you dump the water through, the water goes through, but the noodles get stuck, right? Yeah. We are human noodles. So when there's like (laughs) logs or sticks, they tend to pile up in the river and create this huge entrapment hazard. So if you get flushed into one of those, it's pretty difficult to get out. Like you will probably get trapped. Another thing is something called foot entrapment, which happens when the rivers are shallower. And this is when you're in the water and you can feel the bottom of the river and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to stand up to stop myself. Mm-hmm. So you stand up. There's tons of rocks and sticks under the water. Your foot can get stuck under them and like push you underwater because you're still like the pressure of the water is still coming onto you. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? So, like, don't ever want to stop yourself with your feet. Okay, that would be my first instinct. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge hazard. It's super easy to avoid. For me, that would be the scariest thing that could happen hazard-wise on a river as my own person. And, like, because, yeah, your instinct is, like, I'm going to put my feet down to stand up. Yeah. But – I've had close calls with foot entrapment, and if you have even one of them, you will never do it again just because of how quick, like, the water will push you under. Super scary. Uh, Another hazard. (laughs) I'll just keep going. Hazards. (laughs) Hazards. Please tell tell me all that I can perish on forever, which will definitely mean that I will try pack rafting. Yeah, I I think you should. It's 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 super fun. I think again being aware of these hazards and knowing what to do in situations or read the river 
reading rivers is going to like empower you. And I think fear is just a lot of like what we don't understand or know. Right. And on rivers, like, I mean, there's also like very legitimate fears of like, this is fucked, but like rivers, usually if I can see like a log in the river, I know to not go near it. Yeah. yeah. If I'm in the water, I know not to stand up Mm -hmm. and put my feet down to stop myself. But no, that, that makes sense. That is, that is the line that we keep saying on this podcast is preparedness is all about preparing for things that you're afraid of so that you don't have to think about them anymore because you have a plan. Right. And that this seems to just be. Yes. Yeah. No. And I, I'm terrified of all these things, but I like, I should know what to do if that happens. Yeah. There's, I'm trying to think other hazards are like uh, sieves where it's like rock fall and it funnels you through a really tight space and you can get jammed in there. Um, undercut uh, walls or rocks is when the water erodes away the space underneath it and creates like a pocket for you to get like sucked under and into. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Y'all yeah, yeah, can't see me, obviously, but I think I, I, I assume I have this look of just like visceral terror. Yeah, that's all right. That's yeah. usually when I give a safety talk, everyone's faces turn from excitement to complete terror or sometimes kids start crying and I'm like, Oh, okay, let's go have fun on the river today. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Those are kind of the big ones that I can think of off the top of my head besides just drowning. Drowning is, you know, like cold water is a huge one where if you're in the water and it's freezing, like your body is going to start shutting down. I think you have like 10 minutes to like figure it out. 10 minutes. Yeah. I think sometimes even less time. In like what temperature? <laughs> um. Oh, geez. I feel like 50 degrees, maybe 60. I think it also is de- body dependent mm-hmm. and how well your body is insulated or able to keep warm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely like the start of my season, I'm wearing a dry suit. Okay. Which is... Are you? I guess I could explain. Dry suit. Yeah, dry suit. Keeps you dry. Wet suit keeps you a little bit wet, but in a way that is insulated and warm. Yeah. So, like, wet suits work. You get wet, but the water close to your body that's contained in the wetsuit warms up to your body temperature. So it's keeping you. At least that's how I understand it. So it's keeping you somewhat warm. Dry suit is a suit you wear that has gaskets over your wrists and neck and like your feet you're like you're completely enclosed in this like Gore-Tex super suit you look super cool but nothing you could wear street clothes underneath and they would stay perfectly dry yeah so you can go LARP as from being like uh, your your Dune LARP yeah basically it's like uh what is this still suit yeah but the opposite it's not keeping moisture in um yeah (laughs) just keeping you dry and warm hopefully but yeah, um, those are like the hazards I can think of off the top of my head. And then like the obvious one, like anything related to camping or being outdoors. Yeah. And like, you know, like you probably want to wear a helmet when you're rafting because of like impacts with rocks or, you know, like there's a lot of things that can go wrong once you're in the water, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of rapid you're in or 
anything like that. Yeah. And there's like, there's, there, there's like a thing called like swift water rescue. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I am swift water rescue certified and I think if anyone is doing any type of river activity that you should definitely take the class. I don't know. I, they're, they're, it's expensive, but, but the knowledge you gain from it, I think just keeps not only yourself safe as you can be on the river, but everybody else around you. And it teaches you things like wading correctly, you know, throw bag techniques. If you wrap a boat or how to unpin a raft that's wrapped around a rock potentially techniques for helping people who are like in a foot entrapment situation, which isn't great swimming out to people, how to, how to swim in white water or try to swim in white water, how to, if you can't get away from a strainer, what to do if you are coming upon rock or not, excuse me, logs and sticks in the water. I will say my swift water class kind of terrified me because it just made me hyper aware of everything that could go wrong. And then what I would possibly have to do to help somebody. Yeah. But yeah, super intense class physically and mentally. And yeah, it, it taught me a lot, but I do feel like I'm, I would be able to help in a rescue situation instead of just being some random person who's like just panicking and being like, I don't know what to do, but so that feels good, but I would probably still panic to a certain degree. That makes sense. Because mm-hmm. it's like the, the you know, the principle of any kind of, uh, like, first aid or, like, rescue scenario mm-hmm. is, like, don't become another patient. Right. And so it's, it's, if, if you're not trained to rescue someone from one of those situations, like, it might be just more dangerous yeah. to, to try to rescue them. Yeah. And it's frustrating. It's it makes me think like I take a lot of families down the river and there's, you know, small kids and parents always make the comment, well, if my kid goes in, I'm going to jump in after them, okay. which yeah. is, <laughs> you know, then me as a guide, I have to, you know, figure out in that scenario, possibly am I saving the parent or the kid? Yeah. If I can. And if, yeah. obviously I want to try to save both, but like that person, like, and I always tell parents like, Hey, if you're not trained in swift water rescue, I would not recommend jumping out of my raft to like help your kid. Like you're more help to me in this raft than you are in the water trying to help your child. Yeah. Do you ever just tell them like bluntly, like if you do that, then I will be in a situation where I have to choose between which one of you to save. Yeah, no. And I also, yeah, I do tell them that if they're being very like serious about it. And I also try to remind folks that like, you know, like untrained first responders have a very high mortality rate, which it's like, you know, like I, I don't understand cause I don't have children, but you know, I've, I've seen people I care about swimming in rapids and like, of course I want to help them, but you know, like jumping into whitewater is never like a good solution. But yeah, I, I do tell them like, you're going to make me have a really hard decision to save you or your child possibly. Yeah. So yeah. Dang. Yeah. It just makes it more complicated, but that makes sense. yeah. <laughs> 
to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, away from all the, the grim, the grim. Yeah. Color. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> and into some more, but different, <laughs> con- differently contextualized grim horror. Yeah. Um, so the, one of the big reasons I wanted to have someone on to talk about pack rafting is that we have a lot of, like, I, I think knowing different ways to travel is mm-hmm. incredibly important mm-hmm. and, you know, coupled with my, my fear of water, but also my fascination with water and boat travel mm-hmm. is when I saw Fellowship of the Ring when I was like 10, mm-hmm. um, all I could think about was boat travel, boat travel, boat travel. <laughs> As one does when they watch that movie, more yeah. so than anything else in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. They really, they, they really made a fun choice there mm-hmm. when, or Tolkien when writing that. Mm-hmm. And then they got on boats. Yeah. Like, Amazing. Crap. Yeah. Incredible. How do I get a boat? <laughs> <laughs> How do I get a boat that looks that cool? How do I get a boat that looks that cool? Um, and the, you know, it's like the, the I, I feel like the boats that they have in that, in that book are like, they're, they're like made by elves. And so they're like kind of pack raftish and that they're like abnormally light. Yes. So they like, they do, I'm going to use a fun word that I just learned, I think maybe hopefully like portage. Yes. Yeah. They like, uh, they get to points where they're like, yeah, that's a waterfall. Um, I guess we're going to pick up the boat and carry yeah, it around. In super light elf boat. So it weighs super nothing. I'm sure they one person could carry it knowing the elves. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the, the part that was really interesting to me too, is the reasons why they took to the river and why I'm interested in learning about pack rafting, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the big reason that they did that was to sneak past the orcs, which right. were the, you know, the enemy who like mm-hmm. had all the roads watched. Yep. They had the woods patrolled and they were suddenly in the situation where they were like, well, we got to get there somehow. Yep. Yep. And so they, they took to the river. And so like the thing that I, the piece that I want to bring into the, the context now is from like a from a situation of preparedness whether mm-hmm. that's preparing for road closures due to malicious setting of checkpoints mm-hmm. or the road is destroyed due right. to like some other kind of disaster um you know mm-hmm. y- you know these disasters could be that the militia uh, right-wing militia has taken over your state right and you're trying to leave that state right to a more environmentally related disaster has destroyed some kind of key infrastructure right and you are looking for an alternative means to get somewhere right and yeah i'm curious i'm curious one of you ever thought about this and two if you have <laughs> any like opinions or like would pack rafting help you could pack rafting be a useful thing in your preparedness kit Yeah, I've definitely thought about this. (laughs) Um, uh, I think it, I think, well, it depends. I think in Arizona, like we don't have a ton of rivers that we could, and they all for the most part are like, you know, there is an end point and they are going literally like once you're on the river, you are stuck going that way. Um, I do think because of getting to the entry point, I'm just thinking of the Salt River because it's the river that we have here. Also, you could do the Grand Canyon, but that's really intense. Um, 
and like maybe our context out here in the West in like Arizona is like, it's not specifically what I'm thinking. Of, yeah. Just in general. Like yeah. I think it's like, there's obviously other places with much more, of course, dense and like spread out like waterways. Yes. Yeah. Be much I think it would be a very quick and efficient way to travel. If you had a specific place you were going to along that route, because you're not encumbered by like, like if people are backpacking or biking, like you can't just start cutting like backpacking, you could cut right into a forest. But like, if I was on a bike, I couldn't just turn my bike off of a road and just start riding through a forest. Yeah. Like that would be super slow. I'd probably be walking my bike a lot. Whereas with river travel, like you can go, I, th- I think it is again, river dependent on the speed of the water and like a lot of that stuff. But I don't, imagine that people would be patrolling waterways the way they would do with roads. The only like thing I think about is if you're on a river anywhere, you'd have to think about when I need to exit before I get and go past a town or go under a bridge. Cause I think bridges would be huge points where people would post up or entry points into certain area. So you'd have to think about, when I would need to get off to avoid those places. And then how would I get back onto the river? Can I get back onto it? Is there an access point? I'd be thinking about, you know, are there dams along the way? But yeah, I, I honestly, if I could find a way to get onto the salt river, I would try to post up in there for a while, especially like initial, initial fallout. Cause I think if I can anticipate that and get to the river, I could stay in there with enough food in my pack wrap to be there for like maybe two or three weeks. Cause I have unlimited water for the most part, if the salt's flowing, but it's a very steep, narrow Canyon that people can't access very well. Yeah. yeah. But I do wonder if other people would have the same idea with like, there's water there and it's hard to get to. But- yeah. That's like the interesting thing about it is like, it provides these like weird little not like shortcuts but these like like fairly easy routes through like a lot of places that could otherwise be like hard to access right right but you're also then like stuck on it yes so yeah it's, it's, it seems like a it seems like a double edge it is and i think especially with really remote rivers like even the rivers that i guide on there's pretty much like one way to get in and then you're in a canyon for a really long time and there's one way to get out yeah and like there's a few evacuation points here and there that we've used they're not great to hike out of but i would worry that those sites would also be like would people think to have guards there or like set up there to catch people coming down the river you know like Possibly. Who, you know, who knows? I also just, I don't think like, like when I, I think like right wing militia, I feel like they all have jet boats. (laughs) So they're not going to be thinking about these little streams and stuff that you could take a pack raft on. Yeah. And there's so many weird small water. Right. Like, you know, not here in Arizona. Right. Like, Well, well, I'm just thinking like Minnesota, like, there's tons of creeks and rivers and like lakes mm-hmm. and there's islands in the lakes or, you know, like think places you can get to that you could like, if it's only accessible via water, you could have 
stashes there that other people couldn't yeah. get to. Yeah. I so like a weird dream that I had as a like twenty year old Google. Yes. Um, was <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, set of like funny little like uh, I didn't realize that I was thinking about this like being a prepper, uh-huh. but I was like, I want to set up like all these like little caches. Like I want to build these like weird sheds with like, uh-huh. bikes and like little like inflatable rafts and mm-hmm. like, like food stored like underneath them. And so you could just like, kind of like, you know, ride trains or whatever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just like end up at the weird little, right. like safe house bunker, like whatever. Right. Cache. Mm-hmm. I, I got weirdly obsessed with it. Um, I wish that I had been cool enough to have actually done it, but I absolutely <laughs> did not. Just totally fantasized. Yeah. No, I think, I do think it's a great option. I don't think it's like the end all thing that you should like completely stick to. I think it should be like a multimodal thing. I think honestly, like backpacking and pack rafting is like the best combination because I think, I think about with just backpacking, like what if there is a river you need to cross yeah. or a body of water that you have to cross and you don't want to swim with a huge backpack? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, and I don't think people like everyone's like, they're going to be traveling by road, bikes, cars. Like, I don't think like pack rafts are well known enough currently that people would be looking for crafts in water, especially in smaller waterways. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is exactly what the Fellowship of the Rings thought. Yes. 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 I also think one thing is like, what if the Oryx just went to the river edge? They could just pick them off. Like they're moving fast, but I also think you could shoot arrows at them. Well, they, so they did at some point. Okay. They like only traveled at night to make it like a harder shot. Right, right. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. But, you know, we we do have those similar, like, we're not on an equal playing field with like bows and arrows in the dark. Right. It's like the kind of uh, technology that people have access to now. Right. With like guns and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. That would be my first thing is like if I was going down a major waterway, yeah. you know, in a canyon, like I would probably not choose this as a, yeah. Way, yeah. As a yeah. way to like escape a militia. No. Like you're on a canyon. Yeah. Well, with a long range gun. Yeah, for sure. I'm a tiny, slow moving object. Right, right. Out in the open. Right. No, it's, it's something that I also think about where it's like it would be so easy to just put yourself in a really bad spot if you chose the wrong waterway to go on. Yeah. yeah. Like I would never be like, I would use a pack raft to travel the Mississippi in those types of times. Cause I think yeah. there's people would just be near them. Yeah. I do think though, like hard to access canyons are still like, if you needed to just lay low for a while would be the place to go. Cause I think, the amount of effort it would take to post up on a Canyon edge in some of those places is astronomical. Like no one I feel like is going to go unless you're someone who like was really important for people to get to, or like, like no one's going to put in that effort, especially in the desert with water being so scarce and like, yeah. 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 Always fun to think about these, you know, like, uh, or (laughs) fun. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> these terror fantasies of, uh, that we might be encountered with in mm-hmm. the next like decade or currently yeah. of like far right violence yep. and like having to figure out creative ways to escape it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I always want to think about like more environmentally related disasters. Like I think of, um, it's like, there's, there's things that I, I get really scared here in the desert. Like one of the big things that I am scared of is, um, uh, getting physically trapped here. If there's like a gas and like energy crisis. Oh, right. Yes. Yep. Figuring out like alternative ways to leave, which like (laughs) pack rafting is not the solution (laughs) to do that. But like thinking about like in other places, like, you know, if we're not expecting, like if, if our main threat model isn't, isn't far right violence, right. Um, then uh, could pack rafting be like, or river travel in general, like that maybe you're, maybe we're graduating to like a larger yeah. at this point, yep. really a helpful thing in like other kinds of disasters. Yeah. I think, well, like, you know, I think of like forest fires, mm-hmm. like escaping to a body of water or a canyon is a great way to like try to mitigate being trapped in a forest that's literally on fire. Um, cause the water, like hopefully nothing's going to catch on fire in the water. <laughs> That'd be wild. Yeah, I know. We've seen, <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, I think as a means to escape like forest fires is great. I think the one thing I think about, especially here in the West is where, our water is going to go. And as someone who guides on a tributary to the Grand Canyon and the Grand Canyon, obviously feeding into like, Lake Powell and uh, Glen Canyon and all that stuff. Like people are constantly talking about like water and water rights. And, you know, like my fear is that we're like, people are going to start hoarding. And by people, I mean like companies and government, like they're going to hoard water in these like giant reservoirs and they're not going to like release any to fill up like canyons and riverbeds. Cause it's just going to be such a critical resource. And my thought is that like, when it gets to that point, they are going to shut off the reservoirs from releasing water and they are just going to keep all of it. Oh no. And just like I don't know that river travel will be feasible in the West, except if it's like on an undammed river, which there's like only I think the Yampa River, which is a river I guide on, is the last undammed tributary to the Grand Canyon. It is like one of the last wild rivers, which is super susceptible to like floods. Mm-hmm. So that's like another disaster. Whereas like with climate change, we're getting these more extreme. Like they had almost record breaking snowfall in Colorado in the area that like feeds into this river. So the river was flowing at this, uh, it was flowing at like 22,000 CFS, which is cubic feet per second. And the way I describe this to people, it's like if I threw a rope from one riverbank to the other, every second, 22,000 basketball sized amounts of water is flowing by. Wow. Or you could say, baby size 20,000 babies are floating by every second yeah so it's a ton of water Uh which being on a river that like has that and then so it can be up to you know i think the highest flow the yampa has ever been is like 30,000 which is 
I can't even fathom how scary that river would be, but it can go all the way down to like no flow at all. So like if you can't, like if people take out river gauges, like there's no way of knowing what the flows are going to be at for rivers. You just would have to show up there with your watercraft and be like, well, I hope there's water for me to escape, which I think river travel in the East or place where there's more water is a better solution than river travel out here in the West. Yeah. Yeah. But like, as far as natural disasters go and like things that could happen, like if you're trying to escape somewhere due to that, I think we're pretty, we're in a pretty not great place here. Like the only river I can think of would be going down the grand, Yeah, which is really big water. It ends in, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just, it's so dependent on, and especially like, what if they blow up dams? Yeah. What if they blow up the reservoirs, which I like, what if you're camped along that Canyon and someone upstream blows up the reservoir. This is again, all things I've thought yeah, about yeah. where it's like, yeah. you're going to get washed away. Yeah. Very true. Um, they did just do that in, um, in Ukraine. Uh, Russia blew up. Uh, oh wait. Yes. Yep. The largest. Yeah. I did see that. Yep. Yeah. So that's something I, I mean, it, it's something I think about where I think people would blow up especially if people downstream needed water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. This But I know, but I also think the river lends itself to, you know, like there's fish, you can eat fish, you can, there's lots of like food and like really fertile soil that can grow along winters. So like if you had to post up and like, figure it out. Like I would want to be close to a body of water. Thank you for bringing it back to hope. Yeah. Like why this could be right. And I think a thing with river stuff as well and why I love it so much is it's not an activity that you necessarily want to do alone. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would like recommend no one do any river activity alone, but like you want to be with a community of people on the water like setting up safety and sending someone downstream to check that there's no river hazards and then like having people come through and like you're working as a team constantly. And like you can have people, like if someone is injured, someone else could take more gear and like it's, you can carry more things in a pack raft than you could on your back because like, I mean, eventually I think you'd have to carry them on your back, but the water is going to help you with that weight. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could even pull another empty pack raft behind you with more gear. Yeah. But yeah, I think I would I would very much want to be close to a body water or a river of some kind. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my one of my last questions is I'm expecting the answer to be grim again. Mm. Um, but I'm curious as like someone who like works on waterways in the West. <laughs> How are, how are they, what are they like with climate change? Oh, like, yeah, like river, what, river know, users or uh, like the, the canyon is, or like the water and everything. Yeah, so, water canyons in the West. Like, I'm yeah. terrified to hear these. No. Okay. <laughs> so I think I notice like, when they had to fill up Glen Canyon, I think it was last year, 
they did a big dam release from the Flaming Gorge Dam, which is upriver of where I guide. So I'm kind of like hyper aware of when shit is bad downstream because they have to do these big releases. But I know like this year is a really good year for rivers, especially the ones I guide on because of the large snowfall that they got in Colorado. Like we had really high, nice water forever. The rivers were all really healthy. But I think I've uh, two years ago, I took a group of like politicians from Utah down the river. Mm. They were like Congress people because my company did it. I wasn't like, I want to take these people. No, I would (laughs) never be like, I want to take these people down the river. But the point of it was to show these, they were all men, to show these men that the rivers were worth saving and not like damming up, not drilling for oil and everything in this area. And the moment we got back in the vans to shuttle back, they started talking about canyons they had seen to dam up along the route we had gone on. Oh my God. So, but I think it's because (laughs) all the water that I guide on is already owned by somebody downstream. Okay. Which owned for, because it gets used. Yes. Like it, the green river gives water to like 33 million people, but it's bizarre to think about, Water is something that's owned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was. The, I thought it was like that one thing that wasn't. For a while. Yeah, same. No, I know it's it's coming to light that it's. Yeah, I know it's coming to light that it has been. Uh, yeah, um, but we mentioned that to a lot of people. We take down the river that all this water belongs to somebody else. Yeah. Like this is not ours. This yeah. is not like our collective water. Water. Yeah. It's um, not here for our collective survival. Yeah, no, it's for somebody downstream, which, I mean, they need water too, but I think it's honestly the rivers I guide on, and maybe this is, again is a hot take, but I am not hopeful that they will flow within the next 10 years. I think as water rights and like water wars become more prevalent, mm-hmm. I think states are going to start withholding. Like I think Flaming Gorge is part of mostly in Wyoming, and they could decide to just not – I think it would have a chain reaction if they decided to not leave leave water or let water out because all the farm down, all the farms downstream would die, blah, blah, blah. People would be without that. But, um, yeah. But I'm also – with climate change, like, it was odd. Like, the first year I worked there, there was no water. There was hardly any water coming down the river. It was super low. Our boats were getting stuck, and I just became, like, hyper aware of <laughs> – how fucked stuff was for some reason. Uh, but then this year was so good for water that I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it won't be so bad. But then I keep, you know, like, I think it really, who's to say, um, if they dam up more rivers, which I think they might start, <laughs> then we, I think that's going to change the game a lot for river travel. And it's going to be really dependent on like, how much water we have access to. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's one of the big key problems is like, is not necessarily there being lack of water, but like rather that water is being like mismanaged or Mm -hmm. hoarded. Yeah. I think it's a combination of all of that. And like, 
where I guide, it's desert, but then the valley after the canyon is all alfalfa fields, which is a really intensive, like really water intensive crop. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and I just like, they flood their fields and it's just like this disconnect of, this is not a like infinite resource. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me that that is this, yeah, there's a whole lot to unpack with like water rights and water usage. And, but I think like, I think that could even trickle even to out East Mm-hmm. you know because who's to say that they won't suffer droughts and experience creeks and rivers drying up yeah yeah but <laughs> i know that is kind of a grim <laughs> answer but the, the name of the show is, i know it's like the world is dying <laughs> true okay well that's that's about <laughs> all the time that we have for today but mm-hmm. um is there is there anything is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or that you would really love to bring into this conversation um, or <laughs> have any last, last words of hope um, or just like why it's pack rafting fun. It is fun. Okay. I, yeah, I really want to encourage anyone who's curious about like going on rivers or river travel I love it because I th- I think I mentioned like it's such a community oriented activity versus backpacking and like bikepacking and other stuff I do like it's very you're the individual out there fending for yourself or like river stuff I really love because you're always working as a team you're always trying to keep everybody safe you learn a lot about yourself I think it's learning learning to read rivers I think is like a superhero skill like I feel like like a tracker. Like I feel like Aragorn, like, Oh, I can read this like little minuscule thing that maybe other people missed. And I know like, it's a really cool thing to look at a river and being able to tell like what is causing like certain waves or currents or like understanding that I think is even if you're just someone who has to cross a river every now and then, whether you're backpacking or bikepacking, like being able to figure out the safest place to cross is an important skill to have, but river, river travel and rafting and all that is super fun. Yeah. I would love to have more friends who do river stuff. (laughs) So yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on and, um, good luck on the river. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, then go pack rafting with your bike and then please tell me about it or or invite me along to live out my Lord of the Rings fantasies. Or you can just tell people about the show. You can support this podcast by telling people about it. You can support the show by talking about it on social media, by rating and reviewing and doing whatever the nameless algorithm calls for. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. Our Patreon helps pay for things like transcriptions or our lovely audio editor bursts, as well as going to support our publisher, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is a publisher of this podcast and a few other podcasts, including uh, my other show, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. I'm trying to see how many times I can say the name of the project in one at one time 
Um, but that is a monthly podcast of anarchist literature. And then there's the Anarcho Geek Power Hour, which is a good podcast for people who love movies and hate cops. And we would like to shout out some of our patrons in particular. Thank you so much, Percival, Buck, Jacob, Cat Gut, Marm, Carson, Lord Harkin, Trickster, Princess Miranda, Ben Ben, Anonymous, Funder, Janice and Odell, Allie, Paparuna, Milica, Boise Mutual Aid, Theo, Hunter, SJ, Paige, Nicole, David, Dana, Chelsea, Starro, Jennifer, Kirk, Chris, Micaiah, and Haas the Dog. Thank you so much. We could seriously not do any of this without y'all. Um, and I hope that everyone is doing as well as they can with everything that's going on, and we will talk to you soon.